If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 76. My name is Sunspan. Joining me, as always, is Thunderbore himself. Greetings, my friend. <laughs> it's like, how am I going to sound like Thunderbore? And I just didn't even try because that would have been terrible. <laughs> Yeah. You did great. Uh, hello, everybody. This like... is a bit different from usual episodes from my side. Um, I'm not at home. I'm in Germany. so And I can't make my webcam work for some reason on this PC. It's just not working. Uh, and I'm on a different microphone, so the audio will be a bit different. But it's still me. So Supposedly. So you hello. say. We don't know for sure, actually. Yeah. It's true. It could be an imposter. Uh, we'll, we'll get to ESL in just a moment, Sinner, so you can give us all the juicy details of all the talent that are there and how much... You wait. Do they have donors? Is that what it is in Germany? Is that what it's called? The shawarmas equivalent. Do you know? Sure, if you want to pronounce it that way. Donor. I, I have not had donor, <laughs> okay, and I've also not had a donor. Well, maybe one day. Uh, let's start out with the patron shoutouts this week, Cinder. We are. This is kind of a double episode, although we've kind of condensed it a bit because of our guest last week. Uh. Thank you to our in Bruges tier. We have Chakar and Anem Ugh! and Anem Anemone in anonymity is an enemy and an anomaly. The rest are easy. Fab Daddy, the Mega Pope, Suns Fan, Simps, Dummy, Thick Horses, Papega Card. I actually don't even know what that means. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, wax on, wax off. Danielson, Ti in New Zealand, Zan Xavier, Suns Fan, Pudge, Omega Lol. Nate Thicko 01 Hamscroats, brother to the great OG Jesticles Hamscroats. Bacon, no, not that bacon, the other bacon. A video from National Geographic where a gorilla's testicle is placed gently on top of Nico Baby's face. What the fuck? <laughs> These guys are so fucked up. I love it. Lick, Shark TM, and freshly seasoned goat balls. Thank you. Jesus Christ, that might be the best and one yet. Thank you also to Change Will Happen, Comrade Dimitri Valdisov, the Ben Jackson and Ben Broomhead Alliance, Novi Panda, Dop, Marek Zegarek, Fine, Underscore, we give permission for the Ben Alliance to raise podcast awareness by invading and occupying neighboring nations and villages. Okay. <laughs> Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Done Talk, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous, and Ronnie. Thank, Thank you, you friend. My, I, I love. I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I like this kind of meta game of the In Bruges tier, where they just try to make us laugh. I'm sure is the main, uh, the main goal. And that testicle one, gorilla's testicle. That is, that's number that's one. Just in my your book. thing. For me, absolutely. Uh, before we get started, I just want to, I guess, mention. I don't. 
Why did I put this in this section? It actually makes no sense, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I did some Valorant casting earlier the last two days for the Open Strike Tournament. It's the first time I actually cast with my old friend Zeno, which I think you've actually met, Cinderin. Like, super old friend. Uh, mm -hmm. We used to cast back in Han as well. This is literally the first time we've ever cast FPS games, despite having extensive experience, as you know, being professionals and all. Uh, and it was, I had to, it was actually crazy. I had to do camera as well as production and casting. And we did more of a Dota style where I'm doing more play-by-play. -play, he's doing more analyst work towards the end of the round. But it was a lot of fun. I thought I did okay. A lot to improve on. Um, I'm not going anywhere. Still going to be doing Dota stuff if I'm invited. But yeah, it's actually crazy. It, when I thought about it, I started playing FPS games in, this is going to, show how fucking old I am. 1998. Quake 2 is when I started playing a lot of FPS games. Yes. Then Counter-Strike and Half-Life. So it's a funny story that we're not going to get into. 1998, 56K everybody had, but we actually started, I started my gaming career, if you want to call it that, with a cable modem, which was unheard of in 1998. So I was very lucky, actually. Um... But yeah, 22 years later, I cast an FPS game. Isn't that insane? That's kind of, that is really weird, actually. I'm surprised you never did any Counter-Strike. Yeah, of any me kind. too. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So, so did, did, uh, did Valve, did Riot just reach out to you, or how did this work, if you want to talk? No, it was... I'm curious, like, how they got in touch with you. Right, so Nerd Street Gamers was one of the uh, organizers for this leg of the open qualifiers of this tournament they were kind of just giving community casters a it was volunteer work it's not like i got paid or anything it's you sign up and if once they look at your body of work or whatever you want to call it they give you the okay and they give you the rule set and they you know admin the games for you give you the info that you need to be able to cast properly uh but obviously I have a relationship with nursery gamers from when we did midas mode and jungle jam and all that good stuff uh but yeah it was fun i had a lot of fun cool so uh, and then on to the last section of the intro. Sunspan recommends 32 gigabytes of RAM, everybody. Okay. I've been running on 16 gigs for so long, and everybody tells me you don't need more than that. 16 itself is overkill. Windows uses so much of it, it just, you don't realize how little you actually need. Fuck you people for making me delay this purchase for so long. 32 gigs of RAM has changed my entire life. It is so much better. I can actually open a browser without going over memory limit. For fuck's sake. I switched from Chrome to Firefox. Because everybody's talking about how terrible Chrome... Firefox is just as bad as Chrome, apparently. I'm using half my RAM right now. And it's beautiful. I have everything open. When you stream, you have a Plex server. You have all the shit running in the background. You need 32 gigs of RAM. Highly recommended. How do you use 16 gigs of RAM, though? I'm using 13 right now. I have for what? Three browser instances open because I have four monitors. What I have four monitors so that might add to it as well. I have, that's graphics more than anything. I have OBS open. Usually I have a game streaming as well. I have a Plex server running in the background. A lot of shit going on back here, Cinderin. Okay, need 32 gigs. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Thank you. I never had RAM issues. I don't know how many I have actually, even on my home computer. I might exactly. have exactly. And that is the problem. It would be funny if I had 16 and I have zero problems with my browsers and being able to stream full HD and everything and have everything running. 
Cinderella. That would be funny, but I can't confirm that right now. So I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. That there is All the good. stuff I'm running is very resource intensive, right? I, I'm a resource hog, if nothing else. So I needed it. I'm not saying you need it, but I still recommend because it's just a couple sticks of RAM. I just stuck in there. It took two minutes. No problem. I didn't have to take off my heat sink, for God's sake. It was great. Anywho, let's get started with the episode. ESL1 Germany was announced, Cinder, the talent at least. Tell me about it. I didn't even see the post. Yeah, we got announced last night. Uh, I've been in Germany for two days. We came in early, so if there were any corona complications, there was a way of dealing with it. Uh, but everything's been really smooth. So it's me, Shiva, and Kyle. Uh, the three of us are here, and we're going to be paneling every game for the rest of the playoffs starting today. And it's... Two best of threes, three days in a row, and then it's one best of three, and then one best of five, the final day. So the schedule is pretty... Oh, so it's not super long. Okay. Yeah, the, the days are not that long uh, compared to what we've had for other events where it could be like four best of threes or whatever. Uh, this tournament's very... more relaxed, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. It should be fun. Um, happy that nothing really went wrong for any of us because uh, obviously Germany has been... Trend, um, has been changed to an orange zone. I don't know if you use the same coloring in the U.S. as we do in Europe. Everything's corona. brown here. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, okay. That's not surprising when it's you talking about it. It's probably orange, but you like brown more. Um, I'm sure but, it's red, yeah. if anything. That's it. Um, yeah, getting started today with the first set of games in six hours, I think mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Cool. So that's, that's what we're going to do. I wish you luck, Cinderin. You're going to need it if you can't get a goddamn webcam to work, for God's sake. But I'm sure you'll <laughs> Dude, I actually cannot believe it isn't working. Try I three can. different USB ports, installed drivers, and it's just not loading. You know, know maybe you on. need 16 more gigs of RAM. That could do oh. it. That could put you over the top. You never know. Um, right, you know what? I'm going to check how much RAM is. <laughs> well, you're on a laptop, so you don't usually use it. No, no, no. It's a desktop in, in the room. Wait, what? They, they supply you with a desktop? Yeah, it's a 32 gigs of RAM computer, so it's not that either. Damn! See, yeah, ESL knows what's... This is a beast, man. This is better than my home computer, but wow. it can't get a webcam to work. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, ESL. I don't know. <laughs> they probably locked you from doing that or something like that, you know, just to make sure. I don't know. It might, be, might be something. <clears throat> uh, okay, next thing. Again, we're kind of going back a bit uh, from the last couple of weeks. Dota Plus updates. So... This is very unprofessional of me, but I just remembered now. How much of this did we talk about with Kyle? I know we talked about a couple smaller sections of this, but do you remember? Like, we talked about the MMR, right? Being able to reset, recalibrate, recalibrate whenever you want. Yeah, as a manual. I don't remember if we talked about that. Okay, well, let's talk about the whole thing then. So, yeah, Dota Plus came out with an update. Uh, they have new sets that are available, which we can. Kind of, t I actually it was the first time ever, Cinderin, that I didn't bother purchasing any sets to do a chest opening, because I they're just they're just rares, they're nothing special, uh, and I just feel like hoarding my shards. I don't know. I'm just waiting does for the, something. Does the quality of the items matter that much compared to what they look like? Like, do you just no. feel like they're not that good? Or no, 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 yeah. So I didn't even know what rarity they were. I just looked at them first. I didn't like any of them. Like, I'm not buying this. And I okay. looked like, oh, they're rares. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. If they're coming out of the rares... I mean, we've talked about this before, but the workshop has kind of been diluted, if you will, just because of so many immortals coming out. Everything just doesn't look as good anymore, right? So you come mm -hmm. up with some rare sets. They're nothing impressive. But a cool feature they came out with uh, was the role assistant hero grid arrangement. So for those... This is, I guess, you can consider a new player experience, although... 
you do need Dota Plus for it, uh, which that's a topic we can talk about, I suppose. But essentially, when you're doing hero picking, you can select this uh, option in the bottom left, and it'll show roles for that skill, like the skill set that you're, or the MMR bracket that you're in, I believe, right? And it'll separate oh. them by roles. Oh. And it'll update live, essentially, throughout each game, which I think that's really cool. And I think that should just be a base part of the game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I've, I've always been a bit hesitant with this stuff. I know that in other, like, in like League of Legends, for example, there, it's a lot more, how to say, defined in, in most, at least in higher level games, what role heroes play. It's like they have one, one primary purpose. Uh, and I've already, always been a little bit hesitant to implement something like that than Dota because I feel like heroes are really complex. Like they can play four different roles, some of the heroes, even five. So how do you like place them in a grid like this? Mm. But it's just like a primary role. It's just a guideline. It's a helping hand for players that are not so familiar with the game and, and maybe just an, <clears throat> a source of inspiration, right? So you can pick, you're like, okay, damn, I need to drink some more water. <clears throat> I mean... Let me answer this question for me in terms of mm -hmm. like the new player experience. When I think of people that have Dota Plus, I feel like a vast majority of them are not new players. Like, what new player is yeah, going to come totally. in and say, I want Dota Plus? Because some of these features, like this role assistant is perfect for new players. The stacking assistants, whatever you want to call it, all the alt, alt uh, options or whatever you want to call it inside <laughs> the game. Uh, stuff that new players should have access to, but it's behind... Right. Behind a paywall, right? So, what do you think of that? Uh, aspect I mean, of this it? is not only useful for completely new players, right? Like, even if you've played a thousand hours, it's still a nice source of inspiration. You're like, do you never go into a game and you're like, I don't know what to play, I don't know what I feel like, or oh, I didn't get my role that I wanted, so now I'm playing a different role, and then mm -hmm. this can like help you with a bit of inspiration for the game. I think it's fine for that. Um, so it, it's not just new players that benefit, but I think they benefit more. Um, if like imagine you start playing Dota, you play like 50 hours, and you're like, this game's really fun. I want to play it more. Then you might get Dota Plus already. Right? Mm. If you consider how long you play other games before you start getting financially invested, 50 hours might even be a lot. You might want to buy something in Dota after 10. If you're playing with friends and you're having fun, you know maybe you just get it. No, to get stuff. So definitely well, a good thing though. Um, just. The only concern, if any, I don't really think this is a concern, but it's always there's always going to be people who will look at this grid and then they will pick a hero and then others will be like, man, you picked a hero that's a carry as a support. You can't do that. Hmm. It's like, imagine it's like a really good support, a bad end game, but this grid only has a bad end listed as offlane, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could have a counter effect like, for sure. You know, but hopefully that doesn't cause too many issues. But I feel like when you have a complex game as Dota, it, you're going to run into that regardless. So I don't think there's any way around it. Um, but in addition to that feature, they've added some chat wheel sound effects to Dota Plus. The pull timers, like we talked about, are now available to Dota Plus members. Uh, Post-game healing and gold breakdowns have merged, and Battle Pass MVP is now part of that as well. And in addition, and this is more for you than me, because I love everybody I play with, but Avoid Players has been increased from 16 to 25. Do pro players actually, you think they use all 25? Doesn't that restrict your game sometimes? I'm probably on the... 22 now. Wow. Or something like that. I don't know. You hate that many people, huh? Hate is a big word. There's just people 
you play a game with them and you're like, I don't want to play with this player again. Maybe not forever, but mm. you just don't want to have to deal with it for a while. Right. Like the whole point of this list and also the size of it is that you don't block out the entire bracket, right? <laughs> I mean, if you did, you're probably the problem, right? Um, but it's also that, you know, over time, it kind of filters, right? So that the people that you avoided, let's say a month ago or two months ago, will start trickling out of the bottom because it has a size limit and it's just a rolling grid, basically, or a rolling list. Mm -hmm. So if you have avoided 25 players and you avoided 26, whoever you avoided first is now unavoided automatically. Um, so right, it'll overtake the oldest. Yeah, and then that player that you had a bad experience with and didn't feel like playing with again, uh, if it's been two months, they might be in a better place when they play, like they're mentally more less tilted you or whatever. Twenty five in a month. It was just as an example. I don't think so. No. Okay. It was just a random number. Good lord. All right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, they have added shards for everyone. So. Everybody, regardless of having Dota Plus or not, will have some access to some of the features, so you can get up to Hero Level 5 without a Dota Plus subscription. Everybody can tip. Uh, everybody can earn weekly shards by winning three matches. And Dota Plus Rewards Store has been renamed to the Shard Shop, so you can still buy stuff, technically. And then in addition, and this is kind of the bigger part of the Dota Plus update, I feel, especially considering like a lot of this stuff is... Uh, like, example, the pull timer stuff, we're used to that stuff being like in the battle pass temporarily and then it just moves to Dota Plus. So it's not like a huge surprise. But this one, the guilds, this is something that everybody wanted in Dota uh, just as a standalone. So I'm not surprised that we get it, but it's really good to see that it's happened. So essentially guilds are kind of the same as before. You can only create guilds if you have Dota Plus, but if you do not have it, you can join and you can take part in the weekly leader boards. So if you're in a certain percentile, you get more shards, more emoticons, things like that, and they mm -hmm. distribute them every week. What do you think of this system? Pretty cool. I think it's great. Um, I think maybe it needs to, like, this is just a test phase, right? So they have four categories, this bronze, silver, gold, and platinum tier. Um, you might want to spice up the rewards a little bit or make more categories than just four for mm -hmm. this in terms of the percentile so that it feels like there's more of a... Like, yeah, there's a leaderboard, but there's no technical difference between whether you are in the 75th percentile or in the 100th, right? You get the same things, unless I misunderstood something. So it's literally just for showing off. And maybe it could be fun to have something for, like, the 90th percentile or 95th. Um, Pro so players just always really want more. Battle, right? They're never happy, huh? Cry, uh, cry, more pro players. Huh? So cry, cry, more pro players. <laughs> the thing is this isn't really a pro player thing like a lot of casual players will contribute a lot of guild points i think the guild that i'm in the player that contributed the most guild points across the entire battle pass and now is not a pro player it's like i think it's an immortal player but don't don't know beyond that pretty sure close enough so anyway. to pro player for most of them <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, this I, I like it a lot. I love the fact that they actually brought the guilds over and that this wasn't something that they just locked to the battle pass because I think it has way too, too much inherent value for the game to be hidden away for half the year. Um, so yeah, it's good. Okay, and then on to the ranked season. Uh, kind of brought this up earlier, but you're able to 
recalibrate manually if you want. You don't even have to anymore. So that is completely optional. And in order for not everybody to, like not everybody gets access to that at the same time. Apparently between October 22nd, which obviously was a few days ago, and November 22nd, you will have, uh, you'll be able to activate it at any time. What do you think of this change? Obviously you've played way more ranked than me. So I figured you'd be able to give better insight this time around. Um, I think it's better than forced recalibration. I just, I don't know if it's, we, we, I think we've talked about this before. I don't know if this should be a thing, but if it's something that other people really enjoy and it makes their games more exciting and they're looking forward to coming back to playing because they get to recalibrate, then I think that's fine. But I think it's really good that you can base that it's opt in because something a lot of higher rank players and lower rank players for that matter were frustrated with was how much it mattered, the outcome of these 10 games that you could, you know, it's a small enough sample size that there's a bit of luck. You know, somebody disconnects, somebody tilts and abandons a game that could be winnable, blah, blah, blah. You know the whole deal that there's randomness involved in Dota. Uh, so MMR gets, you accrue that over a long period of time and over a huge sample size. So 10 calibration games was a bit too little, I think. But you also wouldn't want 50 calibration games because then people are like, come on, give me my MMR already, right? Mm -hmm. So they kind of had to find this healthy medium. And I think this is good. Now it's like opt-in. You choose if you want to take the risk or take the chance, whatever you want to call it. If you have one MMR, I think you should recalibrate. Um, you can only win. One, how many of those people exist exactly? One MMR. Don't marginalize that, Jen. Those people. Come on, they're humans too. <laughs> hey, if you have one MMR, please leave a comment in YouTube with proof. <laughs> if there are more than five people in the entire world with one M with one MMR, I will be shocked there is absolutely you think so of course can you go negative five people i mean that feels like a lot of you, millions. Just have, you just literally have to win any game is that not possible there's also people just... that lose on purpose to get to one mmr okay that's a yeah if you abuse the system sure but i feel like it's not possibly one mmr if you actually try uh okay maybe i have too much faith in humanity just 2020 just keeps crashing down upon me, Cinder. Maybe I should just well, take there it always in. has to be a worst player, right? Well, I'm not. Yeah, one player, sure. There's one 11k player, whatever we're at. Of millions of players, there's probably more than one. When the MMR range is 11,000, then that's probably more than one person out of that X million that has hey, one. Listen, just I just like there's more than one person that has 11,000. I apologize to many. those with one right. MMR, you are in the vast minority, but just know we are praying for you every day to gain <laughs> another MMR point one day. You'll get an MMR stimulus package. <laughs> yes, ask Gaben for it. Uh, okay, and then the last part of their post, which was from last week again, is about communication, which we kind of can kind of segment here just a tad. Uh, they're talking about how they know their communication has been bad. Uh, so the first thing they talk about is new heroes. We know the community tends to expect new heroes in the fall each year, usually release around November sometime. We're currently aiming for the end of November for a new hero release, followed by more that are spread throughout next year with the next one in the first quarter next year. Uh, are you surprised by this? No. What do you think of it? I think it's fine. Um, are you disappointed? You were expecting two heroes, right? 
Yes, I was very all. disappointed. Yes. Um, I don't know. I think I might be in a minority on this one that I think I care less about new heroes coming out and I care more about the core game being as good as possible. So the things that I get excited about is um, better MMR algorithms or gameplay updates that make the game more fun or better. And I know that's kind of a part of it, right? Getting a new hero. So of course I'm excited for it too. Mm. But I think if I could run Dota right now, making new heroes would not be my number one priority. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I would focus more on making the play experience in general better. Mm-hmm. And then when that is as good as possible, you can add more heroes. See, it's not so, all mutually exclusive. That's my argument. Right. It's a billion dollar company. They should be able to work on all this stuff at the same time, even with COVID. Yeah. I, I was expecting I was expecting two heroes, legitimately. I was expecting two heroes out already by today. Obviously that's not the case. Now, I do like the idea of coming out with them semi regularly. But the problem is, I don't know if I have faith anymore because they've said this before. They said this two years ago that they're going to be coming out with XM. What was it like, three or four a year? Was it? I can't remember exactly what Did they, they said. Was... An absolute statement like that. Uh, it was a general. Uh, I can't remember the details anymore, but maybe it was like three a year. They okay, or maybe they were vague and said they would come I just out don't with remember, more. I regularly. don't remember the statement. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't remember it. But now that they're saying it again, hopefully it comes to fruition. Um, I mean, they don't have to come out with multiple heroes at the same time. If anything, it's probably better to come out with them individually. So, on paper, that's fine. And if they so actually come compar- out, with... yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. Okay, so I was just gonna say for comparison to this new hero thing coming out, it the the post says they've been ramping up banning of booster accounts. Mm-hmm. They've improved detection detection systems in recent months and gained more confidence in the ability to ban for it. In the past 30 days, we've banned over 14,000 accounts and have set up systems to continually ban for boosting moving forward. This is an area, however, that needs constant work and improvement to not stagnate, and some of this will benefit from more advanced detection methods that are also in early research slash experimental stages. See, I think something like this does more for the game than getting a new hero. That was my point. But like you said, it shouldn't be mutually exclusive. If they can't do both at once, they might need more manpower or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, redistribute their tasks within the company or something because i personally think for the health of the game something like this matters more than the temporary hype of adding a new hero um but i would love to have both obviously but that's that's the kind of thing that i like to see is this even though you know from my individual perspective boosting is not really that big of a deal i know how much it bothers other people i'm like this is going to improve their gameplay experience more than having fun for x weeks with a new hero that comes out this is like a long-term big thing. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but they also mentioned the fact that we've talked about this extensively, especially you, how you want an Overwatch-type system. Overwatch meaning the system within Counter-Strike Go, not the game Overwatch. Nobody wants to take any part of that god-awful game. But <laughs> uh, they're looking to potentially put something like that in for, it specifically says for toxicity and game ruining. That's something that can easily be identified by an Overwatch system where yep. you just... Somebody's given a replay. Yeah, that would be really good. We've wanted this for pretty much as long as this podcast has run. I think we talked about this in one of the first five episodes or something, how this could be a really big improvement and we should really learn from that. So for those unfamiliar with the Overwatch system, once again, it's the name of the system, not the game. Um, It's used in CSGO where people get a trust score and then they can review replays and 
detect offenders and then uh, decide to punish or not punish. And then the system will, uh, based on how many people rate a case as bannable or not, it will give a punishment and then it will train an algorithm based on what people do. So over time, it can get like this really, really high confidence level in what humans would do in each individual case. Now, I don't know how you do that against toxicity because in CSGO, it was against cheating, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, they mainly used it, which is way more obvious in CS than it is in Dota. Like cheating in Dota can be a little bit more tricky to detect than in CS, where if somebody has an aimbot, it's not fucking hard to see, right? right. Uh, but in, in Dota, some things are easy to see per person and some things are really hard to see. Um, so, but just the system is, is really, really good. I would love to see it ASAP. Yep. So overall, this post was uh, very good. It was well-received. Yeah. Not to be the negative Nancy, but that's kind of my job now, I guess. Uh, one thing that was not mentioned at all. Can you guess it, Cinderin? Not even one mention of it. In Bruges? <laughs> well, that, that is true, technically. But I was not ex something you might expect to see, but we don't see a mention of it. T.I.? All right, you failed. It's called the new player experience, Cinderin. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, that one. They did not. I mention, forgot that exists. They, yeah. Remember last year they said that they'd be working on something coming soon, or whatever the wording was before. Zero mention of it. So yeah. I would not expect this to be like some surprise addition. Sure. Yeah, I would be surprised if they're working on anything right now, uh, which is very sad because I. I mean, we've talked about it before. I think that should be the number one. We've talked about new heroes. We've talked about getting rid of Smurfs. I mean, I, I think all that's important. I still think the new player experience is literally the most important thing. And it has been for years. This, do you think some of the things that they've done, you could argue, help the new player experience? Like giving everybody shards and getting access to that as a new player and some of that stuff and uh, combating Smurfs more effectively? I would say combating Smurfs is definitely... A help to new player experience because it means on average a new player will expect better games uh, but sure. there's no tutorial there's no way of like hey this is how this game is played or these are the things you should know before you start that's what you mean by new player experience right like basically a teaching tool so new yeah, players so you're, don't you're talking you're talking about an indirect you know help to new players by adding the stuff in but then if you look more deeply into it we've already talked about it but dota plus there's certain things that should be just for new players in the game, but it's behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, no tutorial, no, just nothing to help people actually learn the game itself right. um, beyond what's already in the game, which is essentially nothing. So, yeah, that was a pretty big letdown as well. So, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, whatever. I don't know. I don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> I have lost faith in the new player experience, I guess. Um, okay, moving on. Cinderman, next thing on the list uh, BTS. I'll just read their tweet. Earlier today, the organization of one of our participants posted a derogatory message regarding an opponent on social media. We consider this conduct harmful to both our event and the Dota community. Dota is a global game full of players from diverse backgrounds. We do not tolerate such conduct, especially in direct relation, relations to our tournaments. As a consequence, Plasma will be suspended for their series today, and Beast Coast will receive a default win for their series, which was shortly followed by a tweet by Luki Luki, who's on Plasma, he wrote, to speak for stars, lies, Eichster, and Pingu. 
We apologize for the comments made by Plasma and no longer have any affiliation to the org. We will be competing as no Pangalier going forward. Any thoughts? Well, first of all, good on them for getting out of that shit because, yeah, there's no reason to represent that. And I don't think it was that good of a deal anyway. I don't even I know. Was what going, I was going through the history of that Twitter account. I'm like, yeah, the Twitter what? account was a fucking what? I don't know. It was a cesspool. That's what it felt like to me. <laughs> oh, um, weird. But that's that's the one thing. Now, the second thing is, why would they name themselves No Pangolier, which was the name of a CIS team? Is that a good strategy to take the name of another team that isn't called that anymore? I know it's with Lukey Lukey, right? So it's, of course, Pango is his like favorite hero that he's known for, et cetera, et cetera. But why are you calling yourself the same? It's like a team in NA right now naming themselves Scythe or something, you know? And then people are like, oh, I remember Scythe from TI1. It's like, nope, it's not us at all. So what you're saying is Liquipedia has to make two different pages for the team with a team with the same Basically, name. Basically, like, why didn't they just come up with another name instead of taking a name that's already been used? Yeah. I don't know. I, I have cool. never heard, I have not heard you so worked up about anything in Dota since the Invoker kid just destroyed your life. That voice <laughs> actor. This is the most I've heard you worked up. You really uh, hate No Pangalier. I'll let no, Luke, I Luke don't. I'm just, I'm just surprised. Like, if you're leaving your org or you're making a new team or whatever, don't you want to have a unique name that people connect you with instead of? Yeah, you could have been Dinosaur Commandos. Sure. Anything. You know what's funny, Cinder? I I think I've told this on the podcast before, not to go off on a tangent, but uh, for Digital Chaos, that was the backup name. I told you this, right? Did we talk about? Yeah, this? I think. I don't know if you did on the podcast though. All right, well, I'll say it anyway, just in case people don't know. I originally wanted Dinosaur Commandos. as We had to have DC as the initials because of Dota Cinema. Dinosaur Commandos was my number one choice. I love stupid names. And the only reason we didn't go for it is because we thought that sponsors would not like a silly name. So we went with like a super try-hard, kind of cringeworthy digital chaos. Which, again, I will say this once and for all. Whatever you name your team for them, uh, there's some anomalies which we'll get to in a moment. It doesn't really matter what you name your team, as long as it's not super offensive. Like you know, well, it's not technically offensive, but Nigma is probably the worst team name in all of esports still, and they continue to use it for whatever reason. But overall, it doesn't really matter what team name you choose because over time, even if it's as bad as Digital Chaos, people will still end up liking it. Like again, I brought this up before. Evil Geniuses. This is such a tangent again. Evil Geniuses. Just think of the name itself. I think it's a horrible name, but they've created such an aura around it. They've they've been around forever. They're one of the original organizations. They have so much history. They have a lot of fans. Like it doesn't matter what your name is as long as you're not pissing people off. That's true. A really good example of that is every American sports team. Phoenix Suns. Great name. No talking shit aloud for that one. But the Miami Heat? Huh? The Lakers? Huh? It doesn't even have anything to do with L.A. Anyway, um, it's from Minneapolis, for those that don't know. So anyway, what were we talking about again? I don't even remember. Uh, it was Lukey Luke. Okay, I guess we're done with that conversation. So uh, how did we get to that? Because you hated No Pangolier. Okay, next thing on the list, Cinderin. Sorry, yeah. off on tangents today. Epicenter announced that they will be starting the Epic Esports League which will start November 3rd through December 13th. It's going to be 500,000 prize pool. We have teams like Viking, Nigma, 
uh, Navi, OG, Alliance, VP, Team Liquid, and Team Secret. I don't know if any other details were announced, but that's a big one, Cinderin. That's a big one. Does it does it not have any qualifiers? All I see is a graphic. So maybe I details will come out shortly. Teams, and it doesn't say anything about qualifiers. So it's an eight-team tournament that's running for 40 days. These games must be pretty spaced out. Eh, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't have any more details myself, but uh, we will keep you guys apprised to anything that comes up. Uh, and then last thing in the Dota realm, we have a POG. Actually, we had to cancel POG tournament, <clears throat> which was meant for SEA because nobody signed up. I had one person uh, message me a few weeks ago. He was like, you should do an SEA tournament for POG. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. We should. We have a lot of SEA audience in Dota Cinema. Uh, we got like three teams to sign up. So that was a big no. And none of them was from the guy who wrote to you. <laughs> that's <laughs> unknown. Um, so we're going to start going back to our original idea, which is both EU and NA. So this time around, it will be a an EU tournament. It's going to be November 1st, which is this Sunday at 18 CET. If you want to play from NA, I mean, I've played on Luxembourg. It's not that bad. It's going to be noon Eastern. It's going to be in the 4v4 chaos. And yeah, should be a lot of fun. So hope to see you EU people there. Uh, next thing, Cinderin, Twitch DMCA. This is a hot topic lately. LD from BTS tweeted recently that they had to delete all the old BTS VODs because they don't want to get strikes. I actually don't know how this works. I don't right. know if you have any information on this, but is it okay. possible to get three strikes just right away? Or are you warned? Because all so, I've heard is complaints. So my understanding is, and this is obviously something that affects me too, right? And I'm not really... I'm not really completely sure what to do because it seems very undefined and random almost what's happening. And I think that's why a lot of these channels are just playing it super safe and deleting their vlogs. Uh, from my understanding, you can take three strikes and then your channel gets deleted. Um, if you have no strikes, I don't know if you can have three at like once like that, like you said, or if you get one and then it's a warning and then you get to either appeal or fix your shit and then uh, continue on from there. But I don't think I've heard of anybody going from zero strikes to a deleted channel. I've not heard so, a single story of that. So chat is telling us that it is possible to get three in a row, which if that's true, yeah, it makes a lot of sense why everybody's deleting everything. Um, so somebody in chat said Kezu was talking about getting three strikes all at once. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean he got it. It means he might be worried about getting it or uh, mm -hmm. that there are three cases, but not that you got... Literally, if you had three strikes at once, your channel is deleted, right? That's how I understand it. The moment you have three strikes, the channel is just gone. Mm -hmm. So I think it's three claims, maybe. Three claims at once, possibly. I so don't know. Uh, okay. Either way, this is a big deal for yeah. everybody. So basically, the way I believe this works is there's an algorithm uh, that is scanning through your VODs, your clips, uh, everything for copyrighted music. And then uh, some of the owners of the music will file DMCA claims that you're using their, their music. Um, whether or not that should be the case, I've made my opinion about that on a previous episode that I think for the music industry's sake, I think it's better to let people play the music. That's my opinion. They can have their own arguments, their own opinions. They might be just as right as I am. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong on that. From an economic standpoint, I don't know if the exclusivity is better for them or not. Um, and if not, then at the very least, 
offer the streamers an affordable way of playing cool music like radio stations. The problem is that it's really expensive to get a license for that. Um, and now the problem is that seemingly even music that is supposed to be usable, I believe there's even been errors where music that you have permission to use gets flagged anyway, or game music will get flagged if you're playing a game because the game music is copyrighted or something like that, I think I've heard of. So those are has, crazy. Like, yeah. It just has people in this paranoid state where they don't really know what they fully can do and what the full punishments are. And Twitch isn't offering any really key tool or any key help that they probably could have done preparations for for the last five years with this kind of stuff. They, you kind of knew it was coming, right? Like everybody was saying, it's just going to be a matter of time before there's going to be a war about music on Twitch. And people haven't been provided with a tool for going through old VODs and clips and finding the ones that have the bad stuff in them. It's literally just, we have detected that they're shitting your stuff and good luck finding it. You're on your own. That's basically it. The, the only thing they've offered is a tool that helps you delete shit, not that helps you find the bad music. Well, I, the funny thing is for that so, one, uh, yeah, it's a mass deletion tool. I don't even know if that was, yeah. I could be wrong. I don't, I originally saw that tweeted out by just an employee of Twitch. It wasn't even Twitch themselves. So it's not like, I don't even know if it's an official one or not, but yeah, the, the fact that, like the Twitch response has been disappointing. I think that's pretty much goes across the board. Everybody feels that way. But at the same time, like I don't even know what their perspective is because it's possible their hands are just tied yeah. under whatever I mean, legal tape there is. Because I think a lot of the like we can talk about all day whether this should be allowed or should not be allowed. I mean, I understand that that is there's an argument to be had on both sides. That's there's no way around that. Mm -hmm. But the impl the way that it's working out for people right now, I think there's no way anybody could say other than you know the music industry that this is how it should be because. Like from the music industry side, like side, the laws are so ancient; they have not been updated yeah. forever. Like this is, it doesn't like this stuff shouldn't technically even apply to like live streaming, right? But they're just taking like they just don't understand the industry as all, which is which is the main issue, I suppose. I'm uh, just I'm trying. I, I think like we've talked about this before, but I kind of want to bring it up again. I'm looking at it from the perspective of the music industry. What do you have to gain versus lose by letting people play music on their stream? What you have to gain is definitely more exposure for your artists. Um, I mean, that's basically it, right? It's more exposure for your artists versus how many people will end up listening to music on streams only instead of purchasing stuff. That's the equation, right? It's how many new people do you get to buy stuff versus how many you lose. From my perspective, I feel like it's a no-brainer, but I could just be wrong. I don't have any stats to back this up. It's just a feeling. See, if that you're in the discover music and discover artists and find new stuff to listen to on Twitch streams, whereas if there's no music, they're just going to find nobody, and they're just going to listen to the same stuff they already own. So then you're not making more money. People just mm -hmm. have the stuff they do, right? Like that's how mm -hmm. I see it. And like I said, I understand if the music industry wants in and wants a piece of the pie, I'm completely fine with that. If we're playing music that they own, then at least give some sort of feasible solution where everybody can benefit, where we can play cool music that we like at a fee that's not tens of thousands of dollars to play music on a little Twitch stream, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the problem, is that there's not, like you said, it's just this ancient thing that's not updated. And I think a lot of the people in power in the music industry just don't understand what's at play here and what they have to gain and lose. They're just like, we own this stuff, you're using it, that's bad, we want it. And, and I, I, 
I think the main issue is uh, we don't even know what conversations are being, if there are any conversations being had, or if it's just like people being sued. I, I, I really don't get it, but, uh, hopefully this ends up finding some better resolution than we're seeing now, because like I talked about a lot of orgs just have to mass delete all their VODs, which is a lot of history. Uh, but this kind of segues into the next section, uh, not next section, but there's a (laughs) There's a guy named Alex Hutchinson. He made a tweet, a very, very controversial tweet. Oh, God. Not this one. <laughs> he says, streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they use music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. The real truth is the streamers should be paying the developers and publishers of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. So this guy is not just some random guy. Uh, I, he has something to do with Google Stadia. Uh, this was obviously very, very poorly received by basically... Every, I don't know if I saw anybody that agreed with him, but I'm going to read some responses that I, <laughs> I found pretty funny. Uh, there's a guy named Dan TDM. <clears throat> who responds with terrible take the amount of exposure streamers and YouTubers give to games just by playing them is worth major money by itself. Some games only market through influencers now because it's so strong and works. You're also the creative director at Stadia. Stadia literally paid me and many others to promote their product. And somebody that responded to him named Noxie at Hypixel Studios writes, for context, this guy that you're responding to, the game we are working on, reaction videos to our unveil video, got a bunch of views, Please don't make us pay for you. Pay the, please don't make us pay you for this, Dan. We literally can't afford slash buy this kind of marketing value. Uh, and then the let me see if I can find the last response here. This one I found especially funny. Um, well, actually, first, sorry, this is another one. Jason Schreier writes: The funniest thing about today's streaming drama is that everyone thinks Alex Hutchinson runs Google Stadia because his Twitter bio says creative director at Google Stadia. He's actually a creative director at a Montreal game studio that was purchased by Google last December. So perhaps uh, a little deceiving. And then the funniest and most hypocritical part of it all, Cinderin, is in response to this post, uh, some guy named Jack Septic Eye responds, (laughs) I find this thinking extremely ironic considering you have fan art of me, a streamer, as your banner from when I played Savage Planet. You've even cropped out their watermark in the banner and haven't given them credit for it anywhere. Very hypocritical. So I just had to shit on this guy a little bit more, but what do you think of this idea? (laughs) Like, what do you think of this guy's take? I can't even take it seriously. Oh, like, okay, okay, let me put it this way before you get yeah. into it, Cinder. Let me just okay. say this and then I'll let no, you take over. Before we get into this, it's okay. not some guy named Jacksepticeye. It's Jacksepticeye. I don't know who that is. Never heard He's of him. He's really fucking big on YouTube. Some guy named Jacksepticeye. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Guys, I don't watch YouTube. Okay. What do you, what do you want from me? I don't, I don't watch con- other people. I don't have time to watch other people's content. Is this guy is. Is this guy as big as PewDiePie? I've heard of PewDiePie and Pokimane. Uh, he's bigger than Pokimane. He's bigger than Pokimane. Okay. He's he's smaller than uh, than PewDiePie. Let me see. Okay. Let me see Jacksepticeye the guy on YouTube. Why are uh, we see, changing uh, the subject to shit on me again? Okay. Because that's funny. All right. Let me see how many followers he has. Uh, you made me lose my train of thought. Twenty-five point three million subscribers on YouTube. 
That's only like 20 times more than our YouTube channel. It's not that big. Okay. Yeah, that's true. But have okay, you heard anyway, about Anyway, let me let me discuss where was I with this? Okay. So the idea, like I understand the base concept like of copyright infringement, right? Technically, I think from a purely technical standpoint, if you have no knowledge of how the industry works, this argument would make sense. But the problem is like all the things I just read, I mean, you can call that evidence if you want, but if you have any common sense, and you've been watching Twitch at all, you know the power of the streamers to market your game is fucking astronomical. Like it, you go it makes no sense for a guy in that position to not yeah. be aware. Well, it, it's it's Google Stadia, so actually it does make sense, but that's another story entirely. But having said that, just look at a game like it's funny that this conversation is happening like within the same couple months that Among Us, which has been out for years, just suddenly exploded as one of the biggest games of all time because of streamers. Like, how can you even make begin to make an argument against it? It makes no sense. Even Phasmophobia, a guy, an indie game made by literal one person, big Twitch streaming game now. Fall Guys. Yeah, and Shadow Legends, which has made streamers millions. It That is true. They pay well. themselves even more millions. I love Ray Shadow Legends. You can sponsor this podcast anytime you want. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing here is if, like, how is this perspective very different from the music one? Because in some ways you could say it's a similar thing, right? But not really. So here, in this case, I'm not saying the music industry should pay us to stream with their music on, right? And it's because the music is not the carrying element of the stream. It's it's ambiance, right? It's not the the purpose. It's not the thing that is being advertised as such. Right. You Maybe really. you could I don't I don't know if there's a world where you imagine there's a big DJ streamer or something on Twitch that has a lot of people watching where music companies would actually pay that person to play their music. But you could imagine that would make sense that you would want to promote this new album or whatever. And then you have the DJ remix or play music from something like that. To me, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, okay, you're promoting this music on a music stream for people to buy your music. And this is basically what's going on with the games. If anything, the people that are benefiting the most are the game companies that get their stuff streamed to tens or hundreds of thousands of people for fucking free. And mm -hmm. everybody will fall in love with a game that they might have never heard of just because a streamer that they watch chooses to play it. I mean, isn't that just fucking awesome for the game developers? I don't understand. Like, how can this guy in this position not see that, that that has so much inherent value? Well, or maybe the tweet is completely misunderstood. And what he's talking about is streamers that he says stream games that they haven't paid for. Does he mean that people emulate games? Like you're playing a Pokemon game on stream that you have never purchased. So you're using emulator games. Or does he mean that you haven't paid for rights for streaming The Witcher? Whereas you have purchased the game The Witcher. If it's the second thing, then I think it's complete garbage take. If it's the first one, I mean, I mean, really, regardless, really. Yeah, we're looking know. at you're looking at the wording too. I, I I agree. The first time I read that, I was like, "What does he mean by that?" But he doubled down so much on like everybody shitting on him. He doubled down on the topic we're just discussing. So don't think yeah. there's much misinterpretation here. It's just like mind-bogglingly bad of a take. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's crazy. I was gonna say, I is there any way that bad like 
Bad publicity is good publicity, as they say. Is this can this actually be true for Google Stadia? I don't know. We'll find out if it exists in another year. <clears throat> Feels like Google just makes twenty different companies, and then five exist in five years. Fifteen of them die. Next thing on the list, StarCraft Two came out with an update, Cinderin, which kind of ended up being a blog, essentially saying they're not updating the game anymore. Uh, but they tried to go out with like a more positive attitude. It's kind of an end of, of an era. StarCraft II never really... <clears throat> I mean, early on, it was big on Twitch. It was kind of introduced with Twitch in a lot of ways, uh, helped popularize the platform. But I feel like it never really reached what Brood War did, in my opinion. Uh, but still, a very, very good esport in its own right. RTS games just aren't really as coveted for whatever reason right now um what were your thoughts on this momentous end for starcraft 2 well from what i can read in the post it's not like they're full on quitting doing anything for the game and just leaving it there and just letting the servers be there they're still gonna it looks like they are oh wait i misread this so they're not doing a balance patch so the game is staying in its current state and it will have ladder seasons, like something like, I don't know, whatever you would compare that to. Maybe Brood War has a ladder, Diablo 2, uh, stuff like that that has a ladder. It's obviously different. So they're going to give it support to run, but they're not going to invest into it, basically. Mm -hmm. Your wording made it sound like they were just leaving the game to rot, um, <laughs> which, I don't know. Is this I mean, the exact same treatment as Heroes of the Storm got? Ooh, Heroes of the Storm the pro scene, but the game is still running, and it still has a ladder, right? So I guess effectively it's kind of the same thing, just with different words. I mean, for all intents and purposes, not many people are working on it. It's basically just to maintain right. versus any progression. Um, I think, honestly, if a game is great enough, I, I don't know how good StarCraft II really is compared to Brood War. I'm, I've never been like a huge fan of either game. I've played StarCraft II. I've never played Brood War. Um, uh, it didn't interest me as much as Warcraft 3 did, ever. Um, but if the game is good enough, then the community will carry it, right? Like, I, I believe that games don't need constant updates to stay as an eSport or stay as a community if the game itself is powerful enough and people have enough history and attachment to it. But it's obviously a shame that StarCraft 2 didn't ever get as big as they were hoping for. Um, I, I don't think StarCraft 2 is dead with this post, is my point. I think there's still going to be tournaments um, and stuff done by the personalities within it. Well, look but at maybe... It's not getting any bigger. I mean, it's been kind of dying right. for a while, if you want to call it that. Absolutely but... not getting bigger. I That's mean, true. when StarCraft II was released, it was a big game. Uh, and with Twitch being introduced as well around... I forget the actual years, how that lines up, but it was probably the biggest game on Twitch for a while. But then you saw a stark, a stark decline, I want to say, especially when League uh, started taking some foothold and then eventually Dota 2... Counter-Strike, and every other game on Twitch. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I have this... This could be in the minority. It probably is, because most people weren't even alive back then, I suppose. But I just never looked at StarCraft II as being a successful um, sequel to Brood War. I just always considered Brood War to be like this untouchable game that is literally the best esport you could ever create, at least for its time. And I didn't think that they did a great job personally uh, of capturing that. But I know there's a lot of people that played StarCraft 2, and it was a successful game overall. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it is sad to see that 
you know, this is not literally the end, but is the beginning of the end, maybe, from a more official standpoint. Maybe that's the best way to go about it. I'm not sure. Uh, but it is a very iconic game. So, and it's really sad that StarCraft 3 will never be a thing. That actually makes me really sad, uh, which we'll get to in the next topic. There is a company that is apparently not related. You remember, you guys, we talked about Dreamhaven, which was uh, made by old Blizzard employees to try to create a bunch of new games. They didn't really say what kind of games they're making, I don't think. But there is a company named Frost Giant, which has announced a new RTS. There's absolutely zero info, but we do know that Frost Giant, uh, I'll just read this post. Last week, Blizzard announced that it was ending development on StarCraft II. It's been clear for a while that RTS games don't make enough money for Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick. Today, a bunch of Blizzard vets have announced that they're making a new RTS game. That's what Frost Giant is. So we don't know the universe. Like, obviously, they can't use Blizzard IP, which is kind of a big deal. But announcing a yeah. new RTS is very ambitious and has I, a lot that of people wording, That wording is just, oh. Yeah, that's a big shot. It's, it really is. It's, it's really how so many people feel about Blizzard right now. That, yeah. I mean, what what do we need to say, really? It's just a uh, he 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 really wanted a bit of a of personal feeling in there. I think this oh, yeah. the guy writing Jason Schreier is a video game reporter, um, and he seemingly has a pretty clear opinion about this. Not have not sh shouldn't be the case, but I mean, he... at the same time, can you really be surprised that company wants to make money? Like that's not you know, there's nothing wrong in that. Um, but, you know, I think Blizzard, oh man, we've talked this to death on the podcast by now, but it's like, so do you think the way Blizzard runs games right now, uh, like say World of Warcraft, I know you're very, not very much into that at all, uh, but do you think as a company strategy for profit, do you think they have a short term plan primarily? As in like, okay, we need to reach goals. We need to make as much money as possible short term. Uh, or that they think this is just flat out a better strategy long term as well. That's the way crazy. they've changed their design philosophy around games. Because I can it's easily see it being good short term. It's so like pump extra stuff into games that people can pay for. Microtransactions uh, for like mounts in World of Warcraft or pets or whatever that people buy. Use as gifts in addition to the subscription fee. So you're kind of inflating the price of playing that game for the people that want to buy extra stuff right. uh, versus investing into developing unique and creative titles that can be the next big thing. Like, do, do you think... You're asking me a very easy question, Cynthia. <laughs> no, I, asking... I don't know how easy it is. I'm not asking you what you think, like in your personal opinion, what is better, because okay. I'm pretty sure we align on that. I'm asking, do you think... 10 years from now that Blizzard are going to regret running games like this or that it will be profitable. Okay. More so, so a, than like I money over I have a prediction. In 10 years. Right. I have a prediction. So, so yes, to answer, obviously I'm biased in this, mm -hmm. in this question, but I think long-term this is, if they think this is the right strategy, then they're going to be in a world of hurt. I believe this is definitely more of a short-term thing, even though they've been doing it for like 15 years now the cash grab and whatnot. I feel like even though it's already getting to this point for a lot of people, the way that people look at EA right now, yeah. think of the disgust for that company in every which way. 
they make a shit ton of money. But the disgust is there from a large group of people, maybe even but the majority. I don't even know. That, has EA made more money than if they had a better reputation? That's the question. Like, people might hate them, but if there's enough people that buy the games and buy the stuff in the games, then you can wipe your tears with hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, right? look, at, look at it this way. I mean, you're right. Like, it just depends on what you consider success. Like, we talked about this with Slasher, right? right? With Overwatch, how I was, we both had the same thought process, but or not the same thought process. We both had the same opinion, but then the thought process was actually the opposite, where... I would say like Overwatch League is a complete disaster because of how much money, like the sponsors will not make their money back and this can't be good for anybody other than Blizzard. And he's like, but Blizzard made money. That's the success. So we're just looking at success differently, right? So yeah, I mean... I mean, he's looking I, at it from the optic of the game developer that they have made a lot of profit, not whether the game itself was successful for everybody else involved. So I, right. I think his perspective is just, again, is it worth it for Blizzard? Let's say a week from now, Overwatch League gets canceled because it's not profitable enough. The people that have teams are pulling out of it. It didn't make the splash that they were hoping for. Is that a failure entirely? Or did the hundreds of millions that Blizzard made from the league still make it worth it? That's, again, it's kind of the same thing. Where yeah, it depends on your perspective. You're making a lot of money. I'm just wondering how long you can go for this for, where people are, over time seemingly getting less and less satisfied with your products. It's still making a fuckload of money, though. And if EA right. can weather a storm like this for I don't know how long they've been in the spotlight now, definitely five years, uh, people have thought EA was shit for whatever reason. Um, they, they still seem to be doing fine. So I don't know. Like, I'm just genuinely curious. Like, yeah, I'm so excited I... for these like, smaller studios that really want to get back to the core of developing good games that we grew up with. But like, maybe we're just a little bit boomerish here it's true <laughs> i mean I, I think like yeah to answer your to actually answer your question i don't know either because again it depends on your perspective i i genuinely think within if it's not even closer to this but within five years blizzard is just going to be ea people will just be like the la the post follow-up to this by the same guy says i've heard stories of blizzard folks trying to get rts games greenlit in recent years with no success so it's sadly no surprise to see a bunch of devs who love the game or love the genre starting their own company. But again, from a company standpoint, RTS is not exactly profitable. I do understand right. that. Um, but, but having said time, that, they have, they have fired many very talented people that have now created a bunch of game studios. So we can only root for them, right? I think the next five years are going to be super exciting because some big names are making new titles. And if the ideology comes back, it could be like... Uh, for players like us, it could be like a second golden age, maybe, if these games are good. Um, well, you're going to go pro in StarCraft, uh, well, not StarCraft, <laughs> but Craft Giant. Star, Craft Star 1? No, I, I'm just, I'm looking for some of that good old, good old stuff, especially in RPGs that I used to love so much to come back a bit. Um, that's what I'm mainly excited for about, uh, what were they called again? Haven, World Haven, was that the name of the game? Dreamhaven. Dreamhaven. Yeah. Yeah, and they have a bunch of studios within them as well. But like I said, Frost Giant is actually not related to them, which I was a little bit surprised by. Uh, okay, last topic of the day. AOC, a.k.a. Alexandria, I don't even know how to say it, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 
who is a representative of the state of New York for the United States, of course, because there's no other states of New York that I know of, streamed among us. So a politician streamed among us with a lot of high or top tier streamers, if you will, like you know, do you, know who and, do you know who played with her? I see if I can find the names. Yes, I do know. Who do you think the biggest player she played with was? What do you mean that by the biggest? The the who has the biggest reach that she played among us with? Oh boy! Well, she played with a fellow uh, politician in I don't know how to say her name, Ilhan Omar. Right. Uh, I would say Ilhan Hassan. Omar. I don't know how to, I don't know how people pronounce his name. But... Yeah. What is it? What is it? He's a big. How do you say his the name? Biggest one to play with was Jack Septiguy. <laughs> it's not even on the list here. Did she play with him? Okay, he's not even listed. Yeah. Jack Septiguy. In this article, it doesn't say. Let me let me control F. Jack Yo, you Septiguy. Out with whoever wrote that article, it sounds like you're really on the same page here. <laughs> <laughs> They've never heard of him either. So, so according funny. to this, it was Pokimane Hassan Abbey. Uh, I'm sure people call him Hassan, but it's definitely Hassan. Uh, Disguised Toast and Dr. Lupo and more. So apparently this Jack Septiguy is so big, he's considered an and more. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, she streamed this game. What? I stayed up watching this to 4.30 a.m. Because I I was so interested and curious. I was like, this is a moment in Twitch history. I want to watch this. So I stayed up really fucking late to watch this. I was like, there's no way I'm not watching. I didn't watch the whole thing. But I watched like a good hour of gameplay or something and deleted and everything. Right. And what should be mentioned is, of course, like the primary reason for doing this is Alexandria is, first of all, she actually is a gamer. She plays, I believe it's League of Legends and a couple of other games. She's never streamed before, though. Um, but it's a really good way for her to connect with a younger audience and encourage them to vote. Like, it's no secret. They weren't like pretending it wasn't there. This was literally a stream to promote and activate a younger audience to vote blue. In the upcoming election that was the goal here and then so, the return is this entertainment with big personalities that were super I, excited to be okay you correct me if i'm wrong i don't think they again i didn't watch any of it and you did i i would be surprised if they said vote blue as she opposed to vote. part of the stream to two hundred thousand people She's okay like well, make sure you go out and vote and make sure you vote democrat that's what she said okay well <laughs> now that's 100%. I mean, of course like why would she, she has a huge platform the majority of people watching probably are people who could right. be, or not majority, because there's a lot of viewers like me who can't vote, right? Um, but a, a lot of the American voters, you would imagine, are her base or people that would at least consider voting for her or voting in general. I mean, um, so yeah, it was uh, it was that so for sure. She peaked at four hundred thirty-five thousand yeah. live viewers. It was huge huge fucking stream and yep. it's funny because i was reading some articles about uh, the other politician with her ilhan omar she yep. built her own fucking gaming rig dude that's so sick that is so cool uh i'm a little surprised okay i don't want to get into politics i don't really care for this like i don't care about this but i'm surprised that you're allowed to tell people what to vote as opposed to just to vote in general because it is pretty obvious what they would want you to vote for anyway but that's kind of another topic entirely which i I don't know if legally there's i I think in the u.s this is a lot more free to fly than in other countries probably 
when you think about how you can advertise in the US, right? Like the laws for advertising and the whole culture around advertising is really different than in say Denmark, for example. True. In Denmark, I believe it's illegal to make a political campaign that is literally the other party sucks and here's why. It's you make an advertising campaign about what your what your values are, what you want to do. And it's the same with if you're a car company and you're advertising a car, you can't say in the advertisement this car from this other company fucking sucks. You can talk your own stuff up, but you can't you can't uh, defame other companies in advertising, but you can in the States, right? So I think as far as I know, it doesn't really surprise me that that extends to politics, right? It's not the same thing. You're not saying, hey, the Republicans suck, but it's rather that you're allowed to do something like this in America is less surprising to me than that you were allowed to do it. Say, hey, vote this. Right. Um, I mean, either way, this was really cool. And I would fully expect more people to do this kind of thing, uh, especially during the election time. I mean, she could literally do this once a month just to make her. I mean, she's already a huge celebrity, I suppose. She's like 8 million followers or something like that on Twitter. Something she's crazy. Right, yeah. uh, but like this would amplify that. I that think it would a younger audience. Jacksepticeye. Here we go again, man. You guys are going to make me feel like such an idiot for not knowing somebody that everybody else knows. Hey, Sinner, do you know who... Funny. I actually, I don't really mind. It's just so funny. Like, Sinner, do you know who Jason Kidd is? Like, there's sometimes a really big name that I've never heard of, so I know what it feels like. I could literally name every NBA player so other than like LeBron James. You didn't know that guy. That is funny. You wouldn't know any NBA players. What do you have to say? But they're all more famous than Jack Right, I know. I know, but this is not an NBA pot. Wait. That's right. You see, I got you. Okay, let's go on to the mailbag. I don't know if you've looked through these. Uh, we obviously have a lot of questions, but we, we'll do one or two, depending. Uh, do you want to choose? How do you want to do this? I didn't go through these at all. Uh, do the top two. Okay, so first question comes from Tede. Question for Suns fan, for whenever. What ASMR do you like, and who are your top creators? Okay, so... I don't actually have, I literally can't even name one, I don't think, off the top of my head. I don't really look at the names of the channels or anything. Uh, for people that don't know what ASMR is, it's when you make a noise that activates. How do I fucking explain this? Okay. I think I didn't most know... people understand the perspective of it from music, where you hear a really epic score or something really cool in music, and it sends a shiver down your spine, right? Okay. It's that kind of reaction some sort of a physical reaction to hearing audio. Right. So right. it has a couple of effects. Like one, if you get a quote unquote, what is called a trigger, which is a good thing, it kind of tickles your spine. Uh, if you don't get that trigger, sometimes the, it just listening to different kinds of ASMR can relax you, which it's really good for like getting rid of my headaches. Um, and especially when you listen to it as much as I do, you stop getting those tingles. It's called tingle immunity syndrome, where you start to lose it. So you just have to stop doing it for a while and then come back and you're all fresh again. Anywho, uh, the problem, not to get uh, sexual here, Cinder, because ASMR is not sexual at all, but I've noticed, and not that I do this anymore, of course, I'm, I'm a nice clean boy, but when you were a little kid, <laughs> let me rephrase, when you were in high school and you were very, uh, what's the word? You watched a lot of porn in, in high school. I, I watched a lot myself, okay? I had friends that were they would go completely over. I had one in particular. He just disgusting on a whole new level. He is his, his libido is just out of control. Okay, and the more he watched, the more hardcore he'd have to watch 
to be aroused. Okay. So that right. feels, if you want to, again, this ASMR is not sexual at all for me, like literally at all. But the more I listen to ASMR, the more hardcore I have to get. So it started as, you know, tickling in the ears or uh, cutting your hair, stuff like that. Then it turned into. No, not nails on a chalkboard. Then it turned into blowing in your ear. And now I've just, it's getting more, it's getting to the point where it actually looks sexual, where they're eating your ear. And again, I have, it's like I'm dead down here. I feel nothing downstairs at all. It has nothing to do with that. But I get the triggers and it tingles me. Oh, it's out of control. So I'm into the ear eating right now, which (laughs) I'm not proud of it, but. I fucking love it. I love it. (laughs) Hopefully you guys enjoyed that analogy. So yeah, to answer your question, I have no idea. I don't know any of the names. Uh, they're all nameless to me. Okay. But his favorite Cinderin. is ear eating. Ear eating. Yes. Check it out, yeah. guys. By the way, a lot of people don't get ASMR, and like I don't know, have any friends that have it. So it's not. I would say maybe a minority of people probably even get triggered. But I wonder if I could. It's not like the thing I talk about with music is way more prevalent, right? That's what something that happens to a lot more people. Uh, or is the fact that you can get shivers down your spine from listening to music? Does that mean you're? It means you. Yeah, it means you have it. I I've okay. never gotten it from music. Now that I think about it, that's never been a thing. I definitely just, get it with music. You love. I'll, yeah. Next time we're in the same vicinity, I'll whisper in your ear just to test it out. Okay. Yeah, that's not music. I'll, I can lick your ear too. If you like. All right. <laughs> Last question, Cinder, and take it. <laughs> whisper in my ear. Jacksepticeye. <laughs> Who are you? I'll take it. Yeah, so the next question is from Pitch Black, um, who asks, if you had to show one song to a person to tell them all about you, which song would you choose and why? You can go first. Why me? Yeah, I really need to think on this. I actually don't know. If I you can. had so much time. I have to think about this. Okay. I'm, yeah. So I don't have a good answer for this because, okay. When it comes, I have a deficiency that I have to admit to everybody. We're, we're just getting all this shit out there now. I have a real problem hearing lyrics or remembering. Li- like I will literally have songs that I've listened to thousands of times, and I still do not know the lyrics. So lyrics to me are not too important. Uh, it's definitely not. Um, like harmonizing is probably the most important thing. That's my favorite thing in the world. But lyrics are just like, meh, whatever. They can be garbage for all I care, for the most part. Obviously, some exceptions. So I, I don't think there's any sign I could say encapsulates me. Yes. I so I can that. just say what my favorite songs are, and you can choose from them, I suppose. I think Country Roads is up there. I love oldies. Uh, House of the Rising Sun by The Animals is God tier. Yeah, that's all I got. If people have watched my stream, which I guess you can't do that anymore. They've heard a lot of my music, so. so I just like oldies. It's like something that tells somebody all about you. So then it's not about your music taste, but about how you are as a person. That's really difficult for me because I feel like how I am as a person, what music I listen to really just doesn't align. Gangster rap. So I listen to so much different music. I love a lot of rap music, which doesn't really like the lyrics and the theme of the songs doesn't at all correspond to how I am and or what I do in my life. Uh, I listen to a lot of electronic, which doesn't have lyrics and it's very upbeat. I I like upbeat music a lot, but I'm not an upbeat person. 
I'm very calm. <laughs> so it's like, I don't really know what to pick. I feel like nothing is going to fit at all with showing how I am as a person. Like I could, if I should pick one song that shows my music taste, that would also be super fucking hard because it's extremely broad. Like I listen to all sorts of stuff. So I don't know. I actually genuinely feel like this is not a cop out. I genuinely feel like I can't answer this question. God, you are actually, the worst, actually. I and can't. you chose this question too. Oh, it, it just took them in order. This was the second question on the list. Okay, I'll give one more so, recommendation. You chose and why, right? So if you chose House of the Rising Sun, how does that tell all about you? It doesn't. That's what I said. I just it's songs that I, mean, I like. Why are you Why are you saying my answers, Lane? Well, just give a song. That's you're copying out because you're not giving well, any songs. What? There you go. I didn't hear I you. you. Cut out. Straight out of Compton. There you go. Okay, that that sounds like a rap song. So perfect for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's it sounds like a rap song. <laughs> uh, okay, I, except yeah, this one too, Shannon. You know this song. You surely know this song. It's okay. Don't worry. Shannon knows it. It's all fine. I mean, I don't. I don't really listen to that much modern music, so <laughs> or even '90s or 2000s. I love that well, your role in this episode is the guy who doesn't know stuff. It's always me who doesn't know a movie or doesn't know something. Oh, that's oh, true. I don't, really I don't keep up with a lot of pop culture stuff, no doubt. Like, uh, like I said, I like old, like the only modern quote unquote groups that I like consistently are Metallica and System. Uh, everything else is pretty much just old stuff. I would recommend one song though for those if you're weird like me and you like harmonizing. You probably a lot of people have not heard of this song. It's by a group called Steam Powered Giraffe, who are very weird. But their song is called Captain Alexander, and that is actually maybe my favorite song. I fucking love that song. With a, I'll, I'll, I'll put that one as mine. Okay, that brings this episode of We Say Things to an end. Until next... Oh, God. Did you see in Bruges? No. Okay, thanks, everybody. By the way, everybody. your favorite song is called Captain Albert Alexander. All right, bye. Wait, did I say Captain Alexander? Yeah, it's okay. It? You don't have to know the name of your favorite song. I don't even know the, li <laughs> the lyrics or the fucking name. Whatever. Captain Albert Alexander. Uh, great song. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, Suns Fan Center signing out. Goodbye. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening.